We want to talk about friendship how the Bible sees it this morning. So we're going to take you through the series um, and think of our series as building on one another. So we're going to talk about friendship today, talk about embracing your gender the next two weeks. We're going to hit men and then hit women. And then we're going to... Uh, I've heard that before I said it. We're going to talk about men. And then, um, and then we're going to talk about... Uh, the other so, think about today as this foundation for the rest of our series, talking about friendship today. Uh, and then we're going to go through the life of Christ as well. So today we're talking about, we're going to go through John 15, and then each week we'll take an instance in the life of Christ and talk about uh, embracing your gender, both of those, and embracing your gender, and see how Christ did that. So, that's the, that's the basic... Common, um, 
emotional connections, things you just like to do together. Uh, those are implications or byproducts of friendship. Okay? Friendship is the, is the crux of relationship, it's the foundation of relationship. It actually is relationship. Um, I was gonna make a joke, but never mind. Uh, so what is that? So what does friendship look like then? Um, you know, what does friendship look like in the church? What does friendship look like between um, me and my wife? What does it look like between you and uh, someone of the same sex? What does it look like between you and someone of the opposite sex? What does it look like in the community of believers? What does it look like with us and the world? We're going to lay a foundation for that today. We're going to hit all of those. That's what the entire series is for. But we're going to lay a foundation for those questions. We're answering those questions today. Um, so I want to deal with three things today. To be upfront with you, we might not get to the last two, but I'm going to mention them here. <laughs> uh, first, I want to talk about friendship with family. So talking about family and the community of believers. Okay, that's who Jesus is talking to here. He's talking to the community of believers right here. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about uh, in the first point of our in our context. The second point would, is going to be uh, friendship with the Father and then friendship with fruit. We might not get to the last two, I might just hit them quickly. Um, but let's just talk about friendship with family. Like I said, uh, this verse that, that Archie read, the first verse here is the repetition of a verse he just, he just said, probably just minutes before this, he just repeats himself here. And he's, he's saying here that, model yourself after me. As I've loved you, you are supposed to love others. So he says, use me as the example, use me as the model. So let's think about that. If Jesus is our model, if Jesus is the model for, for friendship, for how we should live our lives, for how we should think about friends, what does that mean for us? Um, Jesus isn't married. He's single. Okay. Uh, Jesus didn't really have a solid career going on. His family rejected him. He was pretty much estranged from his family. Um, he didn't have a house. He, he says right before this that uh, I have nowhere to lay my head. Um, he lived in borrowed things. Um, only his very basic needs were met in the scriptures. Uh, he didn't have any kids. These are all things that we generally associate with joy, with happiness, with love, with friendship. Uh, Jesus didn't have those things. Um, I mean, think about it. When he rides into Jerusalem, uh, after this passage, he rides into Jerusalem, he borrows a donkey to do it. He didn't even have something to ride into Jerusalem. Um, he had very basic needs. I mean, basic clothing, basic food. One of his, one of his miracles in, in the Gospels is multiplying bread and fish. And everyone was like, oh, this is the best meal, this is awesome, we get lots of bread and fish. If that was like the best meal, imagine what the basic meal was. Um, you didn't like make pizza for everybody, or, uh, like, you know, steak. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't make it one fillets um, or anything. Uh, it was just bread and fish, so very, very basic. So a lot of things that we think bring us happiness, um, were, they don't. Jesus didn't live like that. And when we would say, if you're a believer, you would definitely say this, um, that Jesus is, is the epitome of joy. He exemplified 
what it's like to live a life full of joy in the spirit. He exemplified what it's like to live in true happiness, that he knew what true love was. We would all say that if we're followers of Christ. No one would deny that. Um, but yet, he didn't have a lot of things that we ended up putting our joy in. His family deserted him. Uh, he didn't have children. He wasn't married. The, a lot of these things that we say you're going to find, find joy in. Um, and he didn't need those things. He didn't need... He didn't need those things to find true love because he knew true love through something else. He didn't need, it, you know, a lot of times I would hear people say, now that I'm married, I understand what love is. Or now that I have children, I understand what, uh, I understand my relationship with the Father, uh, God the Father, so much better. And those things uh, can be true, but those things don't have to be true. Okay? Like, I would affirm those things in my life, that I, God has used my kids to reveal to me the depths of fatherhood, the intimacy of sonship and fatherhood. Um, but I wouldn't say those things are necessary, because then Jesus missed out on something. Right? And we wouldn't want to say that. So, if Jesus didn't miss out on those things, then what is Jesus grabbing onto in friendship that we're missing, that we say... And we say, oh, I need my wife or my husband to find fulfillment. Or I need uh, my career, my job to find fulfillment and to be, to be joy, uh, to be joyous in. I mean, if that job was stripped away from you, if your family was taken away from you today, would you still have joy? That's the question Jesus is, is, is putting before us. So, and Jesus knew the depths of love because he had an intimate relationship with the source of love. Okay. His, his primary relationship was with the Father. So he had the ultimate source of love that was pouring into him. He knew the depths and the intimacy of sonship and fatherhood because he had that perfect relationship with the Father. And he, had, he knew what friendship was because he was the ultimate friend of God. So Jesus is tapping into a different source. He's trying to get us to the Father here. And so I want you to hear that this morning. So everything we're going to talk about in friendship, it's through the primary relationship, not through your best friend or through your spouse or through anything else. It's through the Father. And this is in the context of, of the community of faith. Um, so, catch this statement too. I want to say that our relationship with the Father is directly proportional to our relationship with others. So the deeper we're in relationship with the Father, the deeper we're going to be in relationship with others. The more intimate we know the Father, the more intimately we can know others. The more love we experience with the Father, the more love we'll experience with others. Okay? If you have a joyless marriage, if, you are, uh, if your dating life is broken, if you are depressed, anxious and, and uh, your singleness or any of those things, um, that brokenness stems from something that's missing between you and the Father. Because the more we pour into the Father, the more we'll pour out into these relationships. Okay? They're directly proportional. So, what does this look like? What are, what are some markers of true friendship? That's what Jesus gives, gives here. He says in verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
greater love has no one than this, that someone may lay down his life for his friends. First, so a couple things I want you to see. We're, we're going to do with three things, I think. I think there's three. We're going to do with physical intimacy, we're going to talk about truth, and we're going to talk about community, and how those are the markers of true friendship. Physical intimacy, uh, truth, and then the community. Okay? So, think about physical intimacy. Okay, what I want you to do is take physical intimacy, and take sex, and put those apart from one another. Those aren't synonymous. Okay? Um, sex can be, sex is part of physical intimacy, but it isn't physical intimacy. Okay? So let's, let's, put, let's put sex under here, let's put physical intimacy up here, let's put uh, everything else under this umbrella of physical intimacy. Because, uh, and let's look at Jesus. So Jesus was single, we already established that. He wasn't married, he didn't have kids. Um, and I get it. Uh, I think I do, anyways, yeah. still. Um, I was single once. And I told you guys last week that uh, when I was, or when you're single, when I was single, one of the biggest things you deal with is just relationships. It consumes your thought life, consumes the things you do, um, why you go somewhere, uh, because you're thinking about relationships. Um, and, and uh, you know, that's, that's dating, that's sex, that's marriage, that's all those things fall, fall under relationship. But Jesus wasn't like that. We don't see any indication that Jesus was like that. So, how could Jesus be physically intimate? I mean, was, was he physically intimate? I mean, we, we see so many instances in the, in the scriptures where, where he was. And think about this too, Jesus was single, right? So he's in his, he's in his low to mid-thirties. Um, and he's single. And I know some of you guys, just to encourage you guys this morning, some of you guys who are single, might feel like, oh, if you're looking for a marriage, I'm like, oh, I've been waiting forever. Um, Jesus, his lifespan in that time was 40, was in the 40s, their, life, their lifespan. So being single at, at 30, like you today being single at 60, um, is our typical lifespan today in the 70s. So Jesus was single for, for a long time. He lived his life in a pure way. So how does he, how did Jesus interact physically without thinking, oh, this does, uh, does she like me? Or does he like me? How did Jesus interact physically without saying, oh, does, I wonder if she has a boyfriend? <laughs> or I wonder if he has a, if he has a uh, girlfriend. Um, because those, those thoughts didn't enter, if you're a believer, you have to say, well, those thoughts didn't enter in Jesus' life. So, Jesus, um, whenever he was physically intimate with people, he brought healing. Whenever Jesus was physically intimate with people, he brought healing to them. That's important. Because oftentimes when we're physically intimate, we do it for ourselves. We don't do it for the other person. And when Jesus is physically intimate, he's always seeking to mend something that's broken in the other person. Okay? So, uh, we see this when, when, um, this, he's, he's just walking through a crowd, and this woman touches his, his garments, and he heals her instantly. She's, she's healed. Um, she's healed physically, and she's healed also from social discrimination. 
he fixes things that are broken. Uh, we see this when Jesus is in someone's house, and this prostitute comes up to him, and she cries on his feet, wipes his feet with her hair, and then puts perfume on his feet. She is, that's very physically intimate. Um, and in an ins- uh, and everyone's condemning for it. Like everyone around is like, oh, does he know who she is? If he was a prophet, he would know who she is. He wouldn't let her do that. Uh, but instead, he forgives her sins. He restores her relationship with the Father. And, um, and no longer is she this social pariah in, in, that, in that area. So uh, we see Jesus do, do this uh, at the end of the, this gospel as well. He goes to the disciple Thomas comes up to him, and, and he doesn't believe, right? He doesn't believe that Jesus has died and has been raised from the dead. And Jesus says, put your hands in these holes in my hand. Put your hand in my side with your pierce my side. And instantly Thomas, Thomas's doubts are removed, and his relationship with the Father is restored. So again, he's, he's healing through, through physical interaction. So how do we do this? How do we bring healing? How do we restore something that's broken in somebody else? And, and it's simple, right? I mean, a hug, um, a handshake is kind of funny, but uh, we can do handshakes. Uh, a hug, and that, that restores someone's confidence uh, and, and that can restore someone's confidence in just basic humanity. Um, but how do we do this? How do we bring healing to physical intimacy? I don't know about you guys, but normally when people touch my clothes, like they don't get healed. <laughs> 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 uh, normally. I say normally, but never has that happened. <laughs> it could. I'm not. I mean, the spirit could, could make that happen. But how do, how do we do that? Uh, number one is, we strip away the sexual, okay? Um, we have to take the sexual and take it and take it out of the realm of physical intimacy, um, in terms of just uh, being engaging each other physically, okay? Um, hear me correctly on that. I'm not saying the sexual is bad, okay? I'm not saying that it is sinful or that it's bad, and the sexual part of this isn't sinful, but oftentimes. It hinders true friendship because that's what we're thinking of first. Instead of friendship, we're thinking of the sexual first. So, here's a couple of illustrations. Um, I love telling the story. Some of you guys will have heard, heard this story before. Um, so, uh, you'll know who it is I'm talking about, but I won't reveal who it is until the end. So, last, last year, maybe a year and a half ago, or maybe yeah, like a year and a half ago, um, uh, I got this email from this guy. He's, I met this guy one time, he's a church planner in New York, got an email from him in August, and, uh, about a year and a half ago, and he's, he said, hey, I know a guy that's moving from New York to Toronto, and needs a place to stay for, for a while, and I was like, okay, um, I have two daughters, like three or four years old, so my mind thinks about that immediately. Um, you guys have been raised uh, around the world, my dad being the next military. Like, so my, my thought like, goes to what happened to this guy stay in my house. Um, I know nothing about this guy, uh, except that he is, I don't, I don't know his age, I don't know his, uh, his career, I don't know, I'm not even sure if he's a believer, I don't know that. Um, all I know is he's Nigerian. <laughs> and um, like, I, don't know anything, I don't know what he looks like or anything. 
So uh, I email back and forth a couple times with this guy. He tells me how to recognize him at the airport, which is really funny. Uh, <laughs> I should say it. It's really funny. He can tell you later what he wrote in there. Um, and, and so uh, I get to the airport. It's like, I don't know, it's like 11 o'clock Saturday night. Um, and I, I get to Pearson, and he's one of the only guys standing out there, so I knew it was him. And I get out, and I'm like, hey, I'm Mike. And he, like, totally ignores my hand and just squeezes me. <laughs> big old hug. I'm like, okay, I, we can do this. He can stay with us. <laughs> At that moment, my fears are, my, like, he healed my fears just through a hug. Um, for all I knew, he's stealing my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this guy was was all of all of there, uh, and you guys who know all of know that. Like, that's that's totally him, right? And he just like grabbed and pushed you in. But he he did something in that moment, um, and not in, not necessarily intentionally. He didn't know that I thought he was some. Predator or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he he just hugged me and I was like, okay. And then he made a couple of awesome jokes. And I was like, we have the same humor. Like, this is really cool. Um, and so and then he stayed with us for two and a half weeks longer than he <laughs> But it was okay. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding, you know I love So um, that, that is an example of how we can heal through our, here's another example. When I, when I first moved to Toronto, so we came from, uh, Miss and I moved from uh, the American South. And in the American South, very, uh, how do I say this? <laughs> uh, very Christian culture-like. So a lot of Christian culture, so, um, a couple of things aren't, aren't really talked about in the South. Uh, race isn't talked about in the South. Um, and then and there's a huge racial, racial uh, divide in the South still. And then also, um, the LGBTQ community isn't talked about in the South. Not that it's not there, it's just swept under the rug. Church doesn't talk about it that much. Uh, it's not, uh, on university campuses you see it talked about, but, but other than that, um, it's not like Toronto at all. So when we moved to Toronto, I knew we were moving, what we were moving into. Um, it wasn't the South. Uh, so, but there's only so much preparation you can do before you move here. Um, so coming into this, uh, into this city, knowing that we wanted to, to minister to the LGBTQ community and how to do that, that was something that we, we prepared for, but we had to figure out once we got here. Um, one of my first meetings with, with, the, with the gay man um, uh, this was in Toronto. Uh, when I was, well, um, so one of my first meetings was with a gay man in Toronto. Uh, we were having lunch or coffee and um, just talking about questions about faith and how the church, how the church plays a plays a role in that, and how how the church has kind of isolated itself away from the LGBTQ community, and how we build bridges and, and all those things. It was, this conversation was all about, about those things. I mean, he, he knew I was a pastor. Um, and, and the whole time I'm thinking, how, how can I fix this? 
I don't know, as, as a pastor in the city, I feel like I just, we just have this huge weight. How do, we, how do we bridge the local church to this community where, where, they, where they don't see condemnation and judgment anymore, but they see love? And um, so I'm having this conversation with this guy, and towards the end, the spirit was like, give him a hug. Um, like, give him a man up, you know? Just like, hug him and squeeze him and show him that you love him and that there doesn't have to be any sexuality, any sexual connotations attached to that. And so, and that was, that was new for me, um, like I said, being, uh, moving here from the South. So, I was like, okay, did I hear that correctly? And afterwards, uh, we were about to leave, and, uh, or we were leaving, and he stuck out his hand to shake it. And I did what all it did to me. I totally ignored it. I was like, boom. And um, it was so sweet. I mean, he just like went into it and, and hugged me back. And I felt him hug me. It was like a release almost in him to, to it was like the whole conversation was, was, was just tense. And then when I hugged him, it was just like a release. That's how we bring healing through physical intimacy. We just remove and strip away our culture says about physical intimacy. Um, and so, uh, that's one thing, physical intimacy. The second thing is truth. So, Jesus always speaks truth. He always speaks the truth, always, even if it's difficult to hear. Even if it tears down before it builds up, he's going to speak the truth. Okay? And you have to recognize that truth will sometimes tear you down, but truth will always build you up. If it just tears you down and leaves you there, that's not truth, uh, shared in love anyways. And so Jesus always shares the truth in love. He always shares it in wisdom. And so what does it look like for us to do that? Jesus says later on in, uh, as he's talking to the disciples, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Basically he's saying wherever there's truth, there's life. So where death and lies and evil once reigned, I am bringing in truth. So when we bring in truth, that should be that should be in our minds that we are that we are uh, making death flee, that we are killing lies, and now we want truth to reign. So remember, Jesus is talking to a community of believers here. He's talking to the disciples, and he says that truth needs to reign. If, if, if we're going to be a community that is going to have true friendships, if we truly life is going to be a community that's transparent where we can rely on one another, we can carry enough one another's burdens, we can love one another, we can live out all those one another imperatives in the scriptures. And we have to be a community that's built on truth and speaking truth to each other. Now that seems like really uh, basic, right? Because why would we speak lies to one another? Why would we just go about lying to each other? But it's not that easy. Just think about it. How often do you speak truth to your friends or those you call friends? Um, think about truth. It doesn't discriminate. And it doesn't worry about what the other person is going to think of you. Okay? Um, it just speaks. And when it's spoken in love, that's when it's powerful. So I'm not talking about, <laughs> I'm not talking about the kind of truth that people just say because they have no filter or they're cold-hearted. <laughs> where they're just insensitive. Um, Mitsu, where's Mitsu? Uh, there he is. 
we had dinner this week, and he was telling me, uh, like, Koreans are, can be very blunt. And so, he's like, you, he said, you, you'll go to someone you haven't seen in a long time, I'm like, hey, how are you doing? And, and like, oh, you're so fat. Don't <laughs> 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 just throw it out there. Like, that's not the kind of truth I'm talking about. <laughs> um, Jesus knew when to speak truth, when not to speak truth. He knew how to share it in love. There's a way to tell someone, like, you put on a few pounds without, like, saying it that way. Um, but he always knew that truth was going to be beneficial and that it was going to build up. So, there's two, there's two sides here. So many times we have problems with communicating truth, uh, even when asked. So when someone asks you, hey, um, what do you think about... I don't know. But if I, if I said afterwards, I said, what do you think about my sermon today? I guarantee you 98% of you would say, oh, it's good. And that's it. Um, but if it wasn't, no one would, no one would say, oh, here's some constructive criticism. Um, which I'm not ready for that. So. <laughs> that would be like a Korean example. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but it, and we have a problem with communicating truth. Not because we're worried about uh, the other person necessarily, but it's because we're worried about who we are. We're worried about ourselves. We're worried about what they'll think about us if we say this um, that is actually true. Um, and we definitely have issues communicating truth directly to the other person. We're okay with saying, I'm okay with saying to Missy, oh, did you, did you see what Daniel was wearing today? I can't believe that Daniel wore this. <laughs> and we're okay with saying that um, and talking about and, and being truthful people behind those bats, but we have a big problem with communicating truth directly to the other person. I just want to say right off the bat, we're not that community. We're not that community. Jesus doesn't establish that community. If you have something you want to say to somebody, you go to that person. If you have something you want to say to me that affects me, you come to me, and I would do the same thing for you. So know that I'm trying to model that for you, that I'm going to come to you directly if I have something that, um, like say you offended me one day. Um, I'm not going to go to Missy and say, oh, please console me because Daniel offended me. Um, I'm going to go to Daniel and say, and you can ask Daniel, how much we've done this to each other. <laughs> and our relationship is so much stronger because of it. Um, uh, and said, hey, when you said this, and then sit with me. Um, we said it this way, or, or whatever. That's the type of community we want. So if there's something that you need to say to somebody, go say to them. Don't go around and say it to somebody else. Okay? Um, truth does that. Truth speaks it to the person, not to somebody behind the scenes over here. Okay? And whatever you think, oh, I'm getting advice or counsel or giving me a prayer request, like, no. You need, to, you need to talk to the other person, okay? That's, this, that's the community that Jesus establishes. That's one, that's one side of it. The other side of it is we also have trouble calling people out of sin, especially when our culture says that tolerance is king. Uh, and then we just don't have a problem with speaking truth. We have a problem with accepting truth. So when someone speaks truth into your life, what's your reaction to? Are you able to accept that? If you said, hey, you should have done this better, 
are you willing to accept that? So, um, if you're so last time we at this restaurant and sorry, uh, oh, yeah, Esther, <laughs> I just saw Esther. <laughs> I was like Esther went for Esther was sitting next to Missy, and she's like, I think Missy has something in your tea. Missy could have like slapped him like, hey, don't talk to me like that. But she was grateful. She's like, oh, yeah, it helped her get something out of her teeth. Or she could have just let her talk and, and the rest of the night was something in her teeth. Which was really weird. Vegan <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> so a lot of vegetables. So, uh, uh, yeah. But she was able to accept it. My sister came and visited. Um, my sister came and visited last year, and so I picked her up at the airport, and there's a theme in the airport stories here. So I picked her up at the airport, and uh, the first thing she says to me is not like, oh, so, and she's my twin sister, and I say that because you're, like, we're really close. Um, twins just have, and we grew up together, did everything. Uh, you go through all your life seasons together. So, so um, First thing she says to me is not like, oh, I missed you. Well, I haven't seen her in like a year and a half. Um, oh, I missed you. Or, oh, you know, so happy to see you. She said, do you think I look fat? <laughs> She's like, do you think I put on weight since you last seen me? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you have. Um, she, <laughs> but we had a relationship where I can, I can, she knows I'm going to tell her the truth, and then she's willing to accept it. She was like, okay, I need to do something about this. It wasn't like, oh, why are you calling me fat? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I need to eat better, I need to work out, you know, I've, I've known, but, you know. And it, 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 it encouraged her. Um, trying to get missed to the point, like, she doesn't get that. She thinks she went, this is so weird with my sister. <laughs> she's like, why are you telling her she's fat? <laughs> She asked me. So that's the thing. Some of us, we can communicate truth fine, but we can't accept truth. We need to get to the point where we can do both of those things. And that's what the community is. That's the community that Jesus is trying to build. And that's where the community comes in. It's also the priority. So um, I'm actually going oh, to skip the quote. Don't worry about it. Um, Henry Nowen has a great quote on friendship. Um, where he talks about everything that I just said. Friendship is the, the, the key to relationship. Um, but he talks about the community in there as well. And, and how friendship is really made true and real once it's lived out in community. We can't live friendship in isolation, okay? Um, we can't even live friendship with just you and the other person. It needs to be lived out in community. Uh, and Jesus says something really key here. He says, the love looks like this. You are my friends when you do this, when you lay your life down for your friends. That's the greatest love. Normally when we hear that, we think about, uh, especially since Jesus just hours later lays down his physical life, he dies for them. Normally we, we read that and we think about that, okay. Does that mean I need to die for my friends? Uh, but that's the, that's the ultimate act. Um, and what's, what's amazing about, about this, this passage is, or the context of this passage is, um, Peter has just said, Jesus, Jesus just said, I'll, I'll go to the cross. And Peter says, no, you won't. 
Like, I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus responds, he says, will you? That's exactly what he says. He says, will you? Really? Will you really lay your life down for me? And he says, actually, in fact, Peter, what you're going to do is deny me. You're going to do the opposite of laying your life down. You're going to deny me not once, not twice, but three times when you say you don't even know me. And then Jesus says, says this, that love looks like this when you lay your life down for your friends. And it's this, it's this, uh, it's almost this like implicit statement that's directed at Peter. Like if you're Peter, you haven't moved, you're still in the same room. Like, this just happened maybe just minutes later, an hour later, who knows. We're still in the same room, and Jesus says, and Jesus says, hey, hey guys, the ones who have the greatest love and are the greatest friends are the ones who can lay your life down for me. And he just told Peter that he wasn't going to do that for him. And so he's saying that Peter, he doesn't have this type of love Peter hasn't experienced this, and he hasn't lived out this type of love. Um, but the awesome thing about the Gospel of John is we see Jesus modeling for us true friendship, and what laying your life down actually means. Because laying your life down was the was kind of the pinnacle of what Jesus did. The first thirty-something years of, of his life, he 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 did a little bit. Uh, he died to himself. Okay, and that's that's what Jesus is getting at. Um, our friendship, the way we're, we're, we're friends with others and have true relationship and in community is, is we have this mentality where we're dying to ourselves, where you are dying to yourself. And we tend to think of, uh, even as, what's the bad news come about? Um, we tend to think of friendship uh, in the terms of what's fair and what's not fair. We tend to think of our lives in terms of what's fair and not fair, or relationships of what's fair. That's a very individualistic mentality. Oh, that's not fair for me to have to do that. That's not fair for, or even for another person, that's not fair for that person to have to do that, him or her. Um, Jesus is saying when we live life in the community, we don't think about fairness. We put fairness aside because we're thinking about sacrifice. We're thinking about dying to ourselves, not for our sake, but for the sake of the whole. They for the sake of unity, the sake of the community. If we build this community here, come up truly life, if we had built this community on what I wanted all the time, we would have built a cult. If you build your relationships on what you want all the time, you have a cult mentality. Because you're building it on yourself. True friendship and community is built on sacrifice. It's built on putting aside our preferences, putting aside our uh, individual desires, putting aside um, our sin, our lifestyle preferences for the for the greater uh, for the greater community. A couple weeks ago, sitting with a couple of guys, and I walked in on like a really intense theological. Um, and uh, Simon said this. He said, one of the main things I've learned in Trinity life is 
that the community trumps our theological preferences, that the unity in the community trumps uh, those preferences. That doesn't just go for theology, that goes for all of the things I just mentioned. And think about these questions. Does the unity of the community, does that, does that trump your hurt feelings? Does the community trump your preference on music, theology? Who is here? Who's not here? Does it trump your lifestyle preferences, your sin? Some of you guys need to kill your preferences. Some of you guys need to kill your sin. You need to put aside how you want to live your life and see how Jesus has called us to live our lives as a that's the only way we can live on mission in this city. That's the only way we can see our mission statement wherever it is. Uh, just remember right there. Um, that's the only way we can see identity and destiny in Christ in order to influence our city and the world actually lived out. That's our mission as a body of believers. And it won't be until community is the priority that you can really experience true friendship and this only happens with relationship with the Father. And when, it, and when we do that, Jesus says that our fruit, when we produce fruit, it'll abide. And when he says that, he means it'll last forever. It'll be continual, perpetual. It will last. It will not decay. Because it'll be the fruit of heaven. It'll be the fruit of eternity. And that's what we have to offer our city. Going back to Peter... At the end of this gospel, Jesus comes to him and he says, this is after Jesus has died and is resurrected. He's about to ascend back into heaven. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He just says, yes. You know, I love you. And it's in this passage, there's a lot that's made about Jesus using a different word for love, and Peter using a different word for love in, in the Greek here. Um, but they're not asking different things. They're asking the same thing. Do you love me? And Jesus asks him again, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus looks at him and asks him again, do you love me? And in that moment, he switches to the word that Peter uses in the Greek. And Peter says, yes, Lord. And it says, Peter's heart is grieved. He says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But it's in that instant, the word that Jesus switches to is the word for friendship. It's this love that we know for friendship. And it's like in that instant, both of them realize what Jesus has said to Peter back in John 15, back in John 13. Where Peter declares, I'll lay my life down for you. And then Jesus says, no, actually, you won't. You will deny me three times. And then at the end, Jesus says, Jesus restores him. Jesus forgives him. He brings reconciliation to him. Because he asks him three times, the amount of times that, that Peter denies him. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter's saying, yes. I love you as a friend, as someone who will lay my life down for you. 
And Jesus prophesies right after that. He says, that's actually what's going to happen. You're finally at that point where you know true friendship, true relationship, and you will lay your life down. And we see Peter do that. The awesome thing about our relationship with Jesus, the awesome thing about our friendships in the community, is that I don't have to lay down my physical life for you guys. Because Jesus already did it. Jesus laid down his life so that we can just point others to Jesus and say, he's done it for us. And we can have true friendship. I can have a true relationship with you guys without laying down my physical life by just dying to myself and living to our Lord Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the gospel in community. That's the gospel we proclaim to our city. That he's first. That our relationship is through the Father. Their primary relationship. So commit to loving one another as Jesus has loved us. Commit to loving our city as Jesus has loved us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, gosh, thank you for your love. Lord Jesus, you loved us first. You showed us how to love. We only love because you loved us first. You showed us what that was. So increase our love for you, Father. Increase our love for each other. Increase our love for this city. And we would be able to proclaim your truth out of your love. Show us how to be friends. And then take that idea of friendship and redeem it with this biblical idea of friendship. Father, I pray that you'd make us a community that is committed to loving one another, but not being so insular that we forget about those outside the community that need your love. Show us how to bring it to them uh, with the truth, with the love, and wisdom of the gospel. We ask you in your name, Jesus.